Hi guys, today we're doing something differently. We're doing the savvy state of the market. Well, savvy market conditions, sorry. Uh, so, stocks briefly turned positive yesterday with conviction after the uh, minutes of the most recent Fed meeting were released at 2pm EST, Eastern Standard Time, but settled back into the directionless theme of late. Investors have been worried that Fed members uh, would change their language around ultra-low accommodation in light of an improving economy. But the central bank kept to its story that rates will stay low. Well, it seems like forever. Interest rates that seem to have stabilised around 1.65% on 10-year Treasury are supporting tech and other growth stocks. But I still think we're due for another sell-off as we head into summer. Most assets, including the major indexes, facilitated around the future, around flatline all day, with spurts of buy-in followed by profit-taking. Maybe it was only luck that the S&P 500 caught a bid into the close to turn positive because it could have gone either way. More interesting was the significant weakness in small cap companies in the Russell 2000 index, closing 1.6% lower and falling all day still. Small cap companies are outperforming with a 12.6% gain. So for this year versus an 8.6% increase on the S&P 500 and 6.2% for the NASDAQ and should continue to outperform on the rebounding economy. Five of the 11 stock sectors closed higher Wednesday with little news, economic or otherwise, to drive stocks. The sell-off in shares of materials companies was interesting and on no relevant news to explain it other than profit taking after a strong month just two of the 28 stocks in S&P 500 material sector closed higher after a run that took the group to the third best performing sector over the last month Jamie Dimon's annual shareholder letter as the CEO of JP Morgan may not be as popular as Warren Buffett's but it's no less helpful for its insight the banker offered up his views on the economy and stock market with some notable commentary on the recovery. Dimon sees strong growth for the US at least over the next few years, noting excess household savings, government stimulus and infrastructure could power the economy well into 2023. We still haven't likely seen the effect of the latest $1.9 trillion dollar stimulus and households are sitting on more than two and a half trillion in savings beyond 2019 levels. The money is likely to start flowing through the economy into the summer as well as in the next few quarters. As for the stock market, Dimon says valuations are already high but a combination of factors noted above as well as a negative environment for bonds should continue to push money into equities and support asset prices. The rising fear of inflation and high rates weigh on bond prices and returns, so stocks are still very much the only game in time. Dimon expects no more than 10% of JPM employees to fully transition to 100% work from home though. The bank is reducing its office space footprint. Other companies, notably Facebook and Twitter, Voidy promised employees could work permanently from home.
the thing about this is if 10% of only only 10% of companies work from home that is going to be a massive shift from office REITs and office rents just as at a time when a company like WeWork is going public via SPAC. Retail store vacancies at US malls increased at the fastest space, pace on record last quarter to 11.4% and are now well above the 10% peak during the financial crisis. Vacancies are likely to decrease into the summer as people get out and pent-up demand is spent. But the fact remains, malls and traditional retail will struggle to survive over the next decade. Part of it is the long-term trend to e-commerce, already growing as a percentage of total retail sales before the pandemic. Online sales grew by 42% last year to 21% of total retail, packing five years of growth into one. E-commerce growth may slow a little this year, but will continue to chip away at traditional retail. Also, though the US still has more malls than most countries, there are more than a thousand malls in the US, about 23 square meters per capita, uh, versus just 16 square meter per capita in Canada, and only five square meter per capita in Europe, according to Green Street Advisors. Even as retail sales rebound this summer, massive debt put on to survive the pandemic and sluggish long-term growth will weigh on retail. Corsair estimates over 10,000 store closures this year, an increase of 14% from the already higher level last year. That is why I'm particularly selective when it comes to mall REITs and any REITs in, at all. Uh, I only go for high-quality REITs that of long-term contracts or over 90% rent collected during the Rona and I I limit the more REITs as well to the likes of Simon Property Group. Now for real estate investors focus on other property types like industrial healthcare and data centers while avoiding office and retail uh, I'm very, my REIT industry is very heavy on residential and healthcare, aiming more towards healthcare, which I think is undervalued at the moment. Death and taxes goes the same, and one could have an especially large bite this year and next, like 600% profits on shares of Tesla or the tenfold return on Bitcoin could be added to your income and could cause your tax rate to jump if you took profits with one year of within one year of selling and don't think because coinbase doesn't have your name or social security number you won't get caught or have to pay taxes the irs has already put a box to acknowledge crypto profits on tax forms and is working with platforms on transparency coinbase is issuing shares soon it's going to do everything it can not to run foul of regulators. Fortunately, there are ways to cut your tax bill. CNBC offers an interesting one lately. Through donating to a charitable remainder trust, you can get 
an in instant deduction on your income and lower taxes and still collect income from that investment for as long as you live for those in higher tax brackets especially after last year's big stock gain it can mean a strong dividend yield on your investment if you're in the 37 percent income bracket donating 1 million is really only costing you 630,000 but if you get a 4% annual dividend on the 1 million 40,000 then it's like 6.3% guaranteed annual return here's how it works donate a portion or all of the investment to a qualified charitable remainder trust you get to take the entire donation amount off your income as a deduction lowering your taxes you or another beneficiary you name receives an annual dividend from the trust usually around three percent to five percent of the donation uh, amount until death when the last beneficiary passes the leftover donation the remainder is distributed to the charities now another one which is my idea nothing to do with cnbc Lots of charities do will writing services where lawyers give up their time for charity, which where they get a tax break. So if you take this up, you get a will written in exchange for a donation, usually a portion of what you would pay a lawyer to do it anyway. So you're getting it cheaper. And then you can write a donation off as a charitable donation. So you get your will written cheaply and you get a tax donation but please note I'm not a financial advisor so you could check that these tax laws are applicable in your region thank you for listening I do appreciate it